Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. And listen, if this is your first time joining us or your first time here, we appreciate you being here. I know your time is valuable. So we're in the third week of a four-week series called Decide Your Future. And what we've been talking about in the series is things we have to decide today to be where we want to be tomorrow, right? Things we got to decide on today to be where God wants us to be, to be fulfilled, to be prosperous, to be successful, to accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. And just as a quick review, the first week we looked at choosing the right values, right? We've got to choose God's values over culture's values. We have to be willing to accept a little short-term pain in our life in order to have long-term gain. So when it comes to those character decisions, you know, the friends we keep, the friends we walk away from, it's going to be some pain involved, but the payoff is worth it. And then we talked about how we can't let other people define who we are. We've got to be whoever God created us to be. And then finally, we're going to walk by faith and not by fear. So much of this world is based on fear and, and trying to control us, but we got to walk by our faith because we know fear's not from God. And then last week, we talked about choosing the right guide and the right guide being the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will tell us what we need to say, you know, tell us what we need to know, tell us when we need to know it. The Holy Spirit will enable us to be protected. You know, the Holy Spirit keeps us out of trouble, and I don't know about you, but we need that, right? The Holy Spirit also nudges us on the right path in life. So we have to choose the right values and choose the right guide. Now, last Sunday night, we had our baptism that was supposed to be at Bissett Park, but it ended up being at the church because the weather looks pretty similar to the weather today. But it in no way, shape, or form uh, dampened the festivities. It was incredible. Twelve families dedicated their children to God, meaning, hey, I'm going to raise my kid in a Christ-centered home. And then 42 people took their next right step in water baptism. So it was an incredible incredible evening. As a matter of fact, at the end of the service, we have a video that we put together that kind of recaps that for you. But at next year, what we're thinking about is maybe on Memorial Day, Sunday, and Labor Day Sunday, instead of doing service here, we may do it at Bissett Park and have an outdoor baptism, have child dedication, uh, have food. You know, I, I think we'll have a better chance of getting those baptisms in in the morning, at least around here instead of in the evening. But it was an incredible, incredible evening, and I appreciate everybody who made that possible. So we've talked about choosing the right values, choosing the right guide. What I want to talk about today is deciding on the right team for our life. Because the truth is, to do whatever God's created us to do, we're going to need people around us. We're going to need people around us at different times in our life to accomplish whatever it is that God wants to accomplish in and through us. He gives you a dream. He gives you a goal. He gives you a, a vision, and you're not going to be able to accomplish it on your own. So we have to decide, these people that are going to be around me, my entire life. And they're going to change. You know, people are going to come and people are going to go, but what types of people do I need in my life? 
And if you want to take notes, our notes are available on that Church Center app. You can download that to your smartphone, or you can just scan the QR code in your seat back or online. They'll send you a link to follow. But here's the very first learning. We need role models in our life. We all need role models. We need role models for our career. We need role models for our spiritual development. We need role models for our marriages, for how we raise kids. All kinds of role models are needed in our life. And depending on what age and stage you are, the role models may change. But the reason this is so important is because everything that we've learned in life, we learn through modeling, right? How we talk, how to, how to walk, how to eat. You learn that from someone else by watching other people. So let's say you want to be somewhere in five years. You need a role model that's going to point you in that direction, that's going to set the example for you, for you to follow. Something else we need is mentors. A lot of you have mentors in your life. Now, most of us start off at a young age and our moms and our dads are our mentors, right? Or our grandparents. But I've had mentors in my life that were coaches, mentors that were teachers, mentors that were spiritual leaders. I've had some bosses at work that were my mentors, but we all need mentors. And some of those role models will become your mentors. What other types of people do we need in our life? We need friends, right? We need friends around us all the time. Again, we were not created to live this life in isolation. We have to be around people. Now, when it comes to friends, some of them will buy into the direction that you're going with your life, right? Hey, this is what God's called me to do. This is where God is leading me. Some are going to buy into that and some aren't. Some are not going to support your dream from God. And that's okay. When you're looking for friends, these have to be the people that can pray for us, support us, encourage us, whether they agree with the direction that we're heading or not. And kind of think of this team that we're talking about today, choosing the right team. It's kind of like your own little personal support group that goes with you throughout life to get you to where you need to be, to play some little part or significant part in getting you to where God wants you to be. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. They were a team. They were a partnership. Apollos had a part in spreading the gospel. Paul had a part in spreading the gospel. And obviously God had a part. We also need this team to do life well, right? We all want to do life well and we want to finish well. So we have to decide today, I'm going to put the right people around me to get to where I need to be. And here's why this is so important. And I'm just going to get real for a minute, five years from now, some of us are going to miss the mark. We're going to miss the mark on where God wants us to be or what God desires for us to do. Five years from now, some of us aren't even going to be in church. I know what you're thinking. Well, I'm glad I came today to be encouraged by this guy, <laughs> right? But it's true. Five years from now, we won't even be on that path. And I think we need to be aware of that, that this is a potential pitfall for us so that we can avoid it. And one of the main reasons that people aren't on that path in two years, three years, 
five years is number one, we didn't really want God's purpose and God's plan in our life all that much. We may have wanted it a little bit, but then our plans got in the way and our own personal desires got in the way and we just, we got sidelined, we got sidetracked. But a big reason that people miss the purpose that God has for their life is because they're not willing to build a team in their life to get them there. And the truth is God's plans for your life are entirely too big for you to accomplish on your own. Again, he designed us to always be in relationships and to be around other people. I think about when we started this church almost 12 years ago. You know, God gave me the dream, right? But if it had just been me, it would have never come into existence. But then uh, I put a team around me that believed in what God was doing. And now thousands of people believe in what God's doing, and we're all part of that team. That's how it works. Or think about our group leaders at the church. You know, we do groups three times a year, and we have group leaders sign up, and somebody signs up to lead a group. They've got this dream God's given them for this group, whether it's a study group, a missions group, maybe it's just an activity group, and they start that group. Well, if nobody comes around them, if they don't have that team around them, it's not going to be successful. But when people sign up and they come and they buy into what they're doing, it works. Here's warning number two. I need a team around me to make up for my weaknesses. Listen, I spent almost 20 years in corporate America, so I'm going to give you the secret to success in business or in whatever your vocation is. Put smart people around you. All right? Put people around you that have strengths where you don't have strengths. You look like a genius, but that's just good wisdom. And when we're building this team in our life, we always need people who have strengths that we don't have. I know this may come as a shock to you as well. I can't sing. I can't play a musical instrument. So when God gives me this dream for a church, my first thought was, can you have a church without music? Right? Because I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. But my first call was to Justin because I knew Justin could sing. Justin could play a musical instrument. And I knew Justin had on his team doing life with other musicians. And he could figure this thing out. We need each other. Romans 1.12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours. So that passage of scripture is telling us if we put the right people around us in life, they're going to bring out the best in us. They're going to get the most out of us or help us to get the most out of our life. They're not only going to encourage us, but they're going to help us to keep our eye on that goal or that purpose that God's given us. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So just ask yourself a personal question. You know, you're not answering out loud, but just ask yourself a question. Do my friends sharpen me? Do the people that are closest to me sharpen me? And if they don't, they're not your friends. They're probably not your friends. They're an acquaintance. I'll give you that. But they're not necessarily your friends. Friends should be the ones that help us to accomplish and strive and and be all that we can be. The Bible also says, we can accomplish more in teams, right? You don't even need the scripture to know that. We know that four people can do more than two people, generally, 
right? Two people can do more than one person. But it's also biblical. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Again, especially if that person has strengths that you don't have. Another reason we need people around us, guess what's going to happen? We go after the dream, the goal, the ambition God's got for our life, and we're going we're gonna to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to need somebody that's going to pick us up, dust us off, and put us back on track. How many times have people done that for you in your life already? They picked, picked you up, they encouraged you, they strengthened you, and they got you back on track. Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a teammate, maybe it was a classmate, maybe it was a teacher, but they helped you to get back on track. How many times have you done that for somebody else? You may not even realize it, but what you said or what you did motivated them to get back on track, whatever it was. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Again, putting people around us that make up for our weaknesses, you know, it's just wisdom. It's smart. People that support us and care about us and believe in us, whatever direction we're heading, they're instrumental in our life. And something else that's going to happen when you start going after whatever you feel like God's put into your life. Let's say it's to start a business and you start going after that. People are going to criticize you. They're not going to like the direction that you're going. I think about this church and when we started the church from the very beginning, people tried to sideline the church and get us off of focus. But because of that team we had built, we kept each other focused we said, listen, this is God's dream. We got to stick to the plan. Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now we know from a, a strand of rope that the more strands you have, the stronger that rope is, right? It's the same way with the team. The more people that are on your team, the stronger you're going to be and the less likely it's going to be that you're going to give in and you're going to cave to the critics. When we're by ourselves and we're kind of on an island and we're trying to go after this, this purpose that God's given us, this plan that God's given us, as soon as you're criticized and you're by yourself, what happens? You get discouraged. You get down. You get depressed, and it's a lot easier to quit. It's a lot easier to give up. Here's learning number three. Here's something else we need. We need people around us who love God, serve God, and have good character. Really, that's the bottom line. We want to choose people in our life who love God and serve God. If the people that are closest to us, that inner circle, don't love God and serve God, then we're probably on the wrong path. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? So those that we're closest to, that inner circle, make sure they love and serve God. 
Now, this is where the church has gotten off base in, the, in past history. I'm not saying you can't have friends that aren't Christians. You should have a lot of friends that aren't Christians. You should be doing things on a consistent basis with people who aren't Christians. But those that you're the tightest with, those need to love God and serve God. They need to be concerned about their character. The friends that don't know Christ that aren't that close to you, but you associate with and you do things with, you don't have to worry about them. But the ones that are closest, make sure they care about their character, right? We know that if somebody doesn't care about their character and we're with them all the time, what happens? They're going to bring us down. At the child dedication, they shared the verse from Corinthians. First, it's not on your outline, but 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. Any parent knows this. So those kids that your kids are playing with, the ones that they're closest to, you make sure that they have good character. Here's something else to consider when you're thinking about, okay, who, who is the team at this moment in my life that I need around me right now? Learning number four, we need people around us who have integrity, humility, generosity, and love. If we want God to bless our dream that he's formulated in us, if we want God to bless our purpose, we have to walk with integrity. Proverbs 10, 9 says this, people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Now, integrity is more than just honesty, isn't it? Yes, it's honesty for sure, but it's also staying focused on what God's called us to do and working hard to achieve that goal without getting distracted by culture or without getting sidelined in the process. So we need integrity. We also need humility. This is the hardest thing I think for us to learn in life is humility. Proverbs 3.34, he gives proud skeptics a cold shoulder. But if you're down on your luck, he's right there to help. The Good News translation says God has no use for conceited people. In other words, God hates pride. We know that from reading the scripture. So if we want God's favor in our life, on our business, whatever it is that we do, then we have to walk with humility. And listen, humility does not mean you can't be successful. Humility doesn't mean you can't be accomplished. It doesn't mean you can't be wealthy. Humility simply means I'm going to focus on other people and not myself all the time. That's what humility is. And then the other thing, we need to be generous. And we need to have people around us that are generous. Proverbs 22.9, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. I love that. Generous people are blessed. Now, there are more promises probably in the scripture regarding generosity than just about any other subject. And so if we want God to bless our endeavors, we need to be generous and we need people around us that are generous. And I know what you're thinking. You're grabbing your wallet about now. I'm not talking about just money, right? We need to be generous with our time. We need to be generous with our praise. We need to be generous with our compliments and our affirmations. And we need to be generous with our attention to others. We need to be generous, in other words, in every single area 
of our life. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 14. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit and will remain vital and green. Now, I hate to tell you this, but you're getting old. You're getting older. Now, that last sentence is probably more tailored to me at my age and my stage in life. But guess what? Your day's coming. You're going to get there as well. But what that's saying is we can flourish for God even in our old age. If we're willing to do what we've been talking about in this series, choose the right values, choose the right God, choose the right team, we can flourish for God tomorrow, even when we're old, no matter how many tomorrows God gives us. But we have to make the tough choices and decisions today. Here's the next thing, learning number five. We need people who do what's right even when it's difficult. We need people who are going to do the right thing in life even when it's hard. In other words, we need people in our life that are just and they're upright. They're obedient to God. Deuteronomy 12 verse 28 says, Be careful to obey all these regulations I'm giving you so that it may always go well with you and your children after you because you will be doing what is good and right in the eyes of the Lord your God. That is a promise of success from God, but he says, what do we have to do? We have to be willing to do the right thing. Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Now think about that for a minute. God does not promise that if we do the right thing, that if we choose the right values and choose the right God and choose the right team, that life's going to be easy. It's not going to be. It says that we're going to have problems if we do the right things, right? It's probably easier to do the wrong thing. We probably have less problems when we do the wrong thing than when we do the right thing. But when we have these problems and difficulties, it's a promise from God that he'll rescue us. It's a promise he's going to deliver us. So we have to put people around us who are going to do the right thing no matter how hard it is. And I also think we need people, we talked about criticism a few minutes ago, but I think we need people who handle criticism well, right, around us. We don't want people who are just going to get belligerent and, and fly off the handle and immediately retaliate when criticized, and if you think about it, we've all given criticism, right? We've all received criticism. And guess what? We're going to get criticism again tomorrow. Somebody's going to criticize what we're doing. But how we handle that criticism says a lot about us. Jesus even told us, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you. And say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Now, uh, when people mock us and persecute us, 
I don't know that I'm happy about that, at least initially. That's very difficult. But how we handle that says a lot about us as a person. It says a lot about our faith journey. Hebrews 10.35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Listen, we want everybody to come to know who Jesus is, right? And, and we got to be willing to do whatever it takes to get the message of Jesus out, regardless of what our critics say. And we are going to be criticized. In life, we, we have to achieve our purpose that God's given us and, and whatever teams we're a part of and the purpose God's placed in our heart without worrying so much about what other people say. And the truth is, there's going to be people that are cheering for you, that support the direction that you're going, and then there's going to be people who are totally against you. We just got to keep our eye on the goal, the dream, the vision, and not focus on what the critics are saying, because it's going to be there. Critics are everywhere. And last thing, I think we need to choose people who are willing to take bold risk for faith, for their faith. Acts 15, 26. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, my prayer has always been that we'll have a church full of men and women that are willing to risk big for Jesus to take big risk for faith. And think about it. Aren't you glad somebody took a risk for you so that you could hear about Christ and how Christ could change your life? Somebody took a big risk or a group of people took a big risk so that you could hear about Christ. We got to be willing to do the same thing. And I know that verse is a little bit scary. We're not necessarily every day in this country risking our physical life, Right? for the gospel of Jesus, for the message of Jesus. But don't you risk your everyday life? What your friends are going to say? How people are going to view you? How they're going to welcome you? How they're going to accept you or not accept you? The problem is we live in a culture today that wants us to not embrace our faith, but to embrace culture, right? And, you know, give our allegiance to something else other than Christ. And people do that all the time. We give our allegiance to politicians. We give our allegiance to, to sports teams. We give our allegiance to ourselves, you know, self-indulgence and things like that. We give our allegiance to our bank account or our financial statement. And not that some of those things aren't important, but they're, they're empty. They're going to be empty 30 years from now or 20 years from now, but the work of Christ and taking big risk for Christ, that stuff's going to last forever. So we need to take risks for the glory of God, things that further his purpose and his plan. And, and truly, we got to stop worrying about what other people think, right? And, and, and stop worrying about what, what other people want us to be. We need to be what God wants us to be. And let me encourage you too, you know, don't ever apologize for being a Christian. Just because someone doesn't believe the way that you do or line up the way uh, that you do doesn't mean you have to surrender what you believe to that other person or you got to downplay who you are in Christ. If we're going to be all that God wants us to be, we cannot be ashamed 
of our faith. And I'm not saying you throw your faith in somebody else's face and you're judgmental of everybody who's not a Christian. That's not what Christ told us to do. I'm just saying we can't be ashamed of our faith. We can't be ashamed of what other people say or what other people think about us. And that's what culture wants, isn't it? Culture wants us to keep our mouth shut about our faith. You keep your faith to yourself and we'll be okay. Don't let culture do that. I mean, everybody else is saying what they are and who they are in culture, and that's okay. But Christians have gotten to this point where we're afraid to say who we are. Hey, I follow Christ, and I'm cool with that. Don't waste one more day worrying about critics or worrying about what other people want you to be. Be what God wants you to be. Pursue the dream and the purpose he's given you and finish life well. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. Now, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. How's that for an uplifting verse, right? But is that not so cool? That's what I want. I want to do what God's called me to do and then go home and then be with him. David finished well. Did he have some bumps along the way? Yeah. But he finished well. And what's so cool about that, it says David served God in his generation, in his own generation. Do you realize that there is only one generation that we can serve Christ in? And it's our generation. Whatever generation it is, that's the only generation we can serve Christ in because it's the only generation we're going to be here. So we either do it now or we don't do it at all. So I think a great question to ask is, am I willing to serve God's purpose in my generation? Am I willing to build a team or to be a part of a team and to be a part of a team to do that? 2 Chronicles 16, 9, God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. That's what he wants. He wants us to be committed to him. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have a perfect heart to serve God. We just have to have a heart that's pointed towards God, a heart that says, hey, God, I'm going to do whatever you desire. I am all in for you. 1 John Five, four through five. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It starts with us saying, Hey, God, you know what? I'm serious. I'm ready to follow you. I'm willing to give you the rest of my life to serve you. That way we don't get off track three years from now or five years from now. I think God knew we'd all be here or, or tuned in today. And I think he would say to all of us, I want to use you. I have a dream. I have a purpose. I have a goal. I got a plan for your life. You just need to decide your future today. Are you willing to choose the right team and the right values and the right guide to get you there? He wants to use every single one of us. 
We just have to be willing. And we have to put those people around us. They're going to help us to get there. Let's pray together. God, we're, we're all in. Lord, we don't want to waste our life. We don't want to worry about what other people say we need to become. We don't want to listen to our critics. We want to listen to you. We want to live lives that are full of integrity and honesty and generosity. We want to love you and serve you and have our character change. Lord, show us the people that we need to put around us. The people, some will be friends, some will be role models, some will be mentors for us. Knowing that they're going to change throughout our life, but show us for this moment in time who those people are going to be and who you've already called to encourage us and support us. And Lord, whoever it is we need to do the same for, make that connection for us. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing in and through this church. Thank you for the other churches in our community. Lord, help us all, the body of Christ in the New River Valley and beyond, to stay focused on telling other people about you. Or be with our kids and our students as they go back to school or the ones who have already started back to school. Give them wisdom and guidance and put the right people around their lives, especially to grow their faith or to bring them to faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, immediately after this service, the video production team, if you signed up uh, to be a part of that team, they're going to meet in here in the auditorium. Even if you didn't sign up and you're interested in helping us uh, each week or once a month to pull off this service, camera operators, things like that, they're going to have a training session in here right after this service. Next week, bring a friend, invite them to church, take a big risk for them. I hope you have a great week. If you're starting back to class, you know, welcome back. We definitely miss our students when they're gone. I know it's kind of a grind to try to get back in the groove, but good luck with classes. If you've already been in school, then keep doing well. God bless you guys. Thanks again for being here.